Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of One Step Beyond. This is a podcast about transformation through leadership. On our show, we have conversations with people who are creating change in business, in their community, and in their lives by choosing to lead. This is about daring to overcome barriers, push past limitations, and reshape our present and our future. We're hitting almost the five-year mark for Cadence, and there's a couple things that always stick in my mind. It's like, wow, five years, that's crazy. Like, it just, like, it seems like it just flew by. But the other side is like, you know, this is hard work, really hard work. Starting your own business is difficult, and I, and I know people say that all the time, but something that stands out to me is like, how many people don't realize how difficult it is? And I don't want to say this to hold anyone back or be daunting about it. In fact, I want people to start their own businesses. I think it's great. But you know, like anyone from the sidelines can critique something you do. Like you didn't do it well enough or you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. And to tell you the truth, I've been that guy in other people's businesses. Like that person with that opinion who oversimplifies things, who looks at things and is like, you should do it this way. Only to realize years later, it's like, oh, that's why they did it that way. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me like talk about that, like these kind of embarrassing moments where I realized like I was a guy with like an, like an opinion, but like no actual facts. And then when I've learned the facts, my opinion changed. As you know, Cadence is getting towards that five-year mark, more and more I'm kind of thinking about those times where it's like, well, yeah, of course you thought I should do it that way. You don't know what it means to be in the mix on this level. And I hope you do someday. And one of the things that I can say as we're hitting five years is like, I'm just a different dude than I was five years ago. I'm different in so many ways. I'd say our only improvements. And some of them are about workflow. Some of them are about temperament. Some of them are about personality. But I haven't just been building a business. And I shouldn't even say I. We haven't just been building a business. I've also been figuring out how to be a person in the world more and more and more as this business goes along. So I'm super appreciative. And, and one thing I'd say I'd encourage anybody who might be starting their own business, do it. Take the leap 100% and be ready to learn a lot of hard lessons about business, but also be ready to learn some lessons about yourself. Some of them will be wonderful and some of them will be tough. At the end of the day though, you'll be better for it. So with that, today's guest is someone who started her own business and learned a lot about herself, about the world, and is also someone that I really respect and admire. So today we're talking to Kristen Lee. Kristen is an accountant and business manager focusing on intricate international tax and business structures for a myriad of clients. She has over 20 years of experience in the industry and has worked at some of the top business management firms throughout her career before starting her own firm, KLBM. The team at KLBM provides a full range of business management and accounting services to musicians, athletes, writers, actors, producers, labels, and other high net worth individuals and companies all over the world. This is someone that I knew growing up in the punk scene who's gone on to do this really, really cool thing. And you know, it's just someone that's like, it's just so cool when you reconnect with people 20 years on where you're like, damn, like you really did a lot of cool stuff. And it's great that I have these memories of who you are, and it's even cooler to see who you've become. So before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsors at SE Electronics. And if you haven't yet, then please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. So let's get to the episode. I'm your host, Aram Arslanian, and this is One Step Beyond. everyone and welcome back to the show. So like I said in the intro, today's guest is someone I've known for quite a while. I've always found to be like really interesting, super, super inspiring. So with that, Kristen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to see you and be here. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time. I haven't seen you in like in person, like I don't know, 10 years, 15 uh, yeah, I would say I probably upwards of 15. I mean, oh the days we used to hang out were 20 plus years ago. That's so wild. You I know? can't believe this. What has happened? What's happened in your know. life? Okay. I know. Well, look at us now. Well, we still look <laughs> essentially the same and like very, I feel like we're, we're, we're doing good. We're doing good. Yeah. I, I feel okay. great. I feel like okay. I aged well. <laughs> you know what? Fantastic. I feel good. This has already started off in like a really good, we're complimenting each other, complimenting yes. ourselves. When we think about this show, people 
come from the come to the show from all sorts of different walks of life. We have people from the corporate world. We have people who are musicians or who support who are part of the network of the music industry. We have people from the plant based industry. We have artists. We have politicians. We have athletes. A lot of people check out the show, but they all come here for one reason, and it's because they want to hear about leadership from the unique perspective of whoever is on the show. And, you know, leadership is an interesting thing because you can express leadership in just how you live your life day to day. You could express it in a like unique space, like in your workspace, in your community or in the way that you interact with yourself even. So if you think about leadership, what does that mean for you and how does it play out in your life? I think that setting a good example has always been mm-hmm. really important to me and uh, kind of be the change you want to see in the world. And I feel, you know, we grew up in music in a, in a very male dominated music scene. And I felt that there were struggles in there as a young woman. And in my career, I faced struggles, you know, for being a young woman. Um, and I kind of just want to carve this path that maybe, you know, lessens that struggle for, other young women to come, um, you know, in the music industry or in business, in leadership and, and hopefully make that road, you know, just a little bit easier in any way, shape or form by, you know, showing them what I've done, good and bad, what can possibly be avoided or, um, you know, and then also just kind of changing the way everybody looks at this role of leadership too and and who belongs in it. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to shake that up, you know, and especially mm-hmm. in my industry, I think I have always been a bit of a wild card. Uh, totally. <laughs> I mean, that's why I wanted you on the show. So all of that, yes, like I love that. Let's get a little bit deeper though because you're talking about like big ideas, which I love. And I like mm-hmm. that you started with be the change that you want to see. And then you actually unpack that. You're like, well, and this is what that actually means. But let's Mm -hmm. talk about what are some of the like very specific things that you, you do to be that change? Well, uh, I started my firm seven years ago. Um, and I decided, you know, coming out of these big traditional business management firms where I worked for lots of older white men in suits that we weren't going to have any of that. And so I advocate hard for strong women. I employ mostly women, actually only have one male employee Mm -hmm. and we do amazing work together and I want to play into their strengths. I want to encourage them to go farther, um, to really harness what they're passionate about, what they're good at, and hopefully propel them forward in this industry if that's what they want and just give them you know, uh, more upward mobility than uh, I was afforded. You know, I think that road was a lot harder for me and I'm hoping to kind of ease that for some of these people. Your online presence, there's always a lot of conversation about um, lifting other women up, not just in your industry, Mm -hmm. just like in in the world in general, but also in the business world. There's a lot of focus there. There seems to be a, a big focus on like coaching mentoring, like kind of giving people real deal feedback. So Mm -hmm. is there anyone in your life who really has shown up as a coach or a mentor that was like a real game changer for you? Yeah, I, I have had strong women, uh, around me all my life. My mom, um, you know, she always taught me, you know, to be self-sufficient as much as possible to be financially independent. She taught me how to do my tax returns by hand when I got my first W-2 when I was 16. Um, She helped me get my first credit card, my first car loan. And then, you know, she co-signed on these things, but then made me pay them every month. So she taught me all of these things and, you know, not to rely on anyone else and that I really needed to have this independence of my own from a very young age, which I'm extremely fortunate for. Um, my grandmother was incredible, a huge force in my life. And, you know, my grandfather used to say, oh, you know, marry a, a nice rich man when I was little. And my grandma would pull me aside and be like, don't listen to that crap. You know, <laughs> she's like, you could be the first female president, which thank God I'm not. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, so I, I had those women in my life. My stepmother is 
um, just one of the smartest, hardest working women I've ever known. She started her own firm after coming out of big accounting firms. And I watched her do that in real time. And it was extremely inspiring. So I'm just so lucky that I've had incredible role models and teachers my whole life. All right. So a lot of your role models were, it sounds like all of your role models have been or mentors have been uh, your immediate family. What about when you're coming up in your career? Have you had any uh, people who just went out of their way to be a mentor or to be a coach to you? My first boss in business management, I don't know that she went out of her way to do it um, or even knows if she did it. <laughs> uh, she was actually really tough on me. Um, but she did one day, she, she said, you know, don't, don't get stuck in this position that I'm in. Like she knew she was at her ceiling at the, at the firm. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you can do more than this. You've got to go higher, you know? And I think she knew my day one, I walked in there and I was like, Oh, that corner office looks real nice. (laughs) Uh, I'll take one of those please. Um, But I think she knew that it was going to be tough for me. And she was really, really hard on me. I mean, extremely tough on my work. Uh, um, down to how I constructed emails. I mean, it was, it was like full on boot camp. but I'm so grateful for that experience because she really made me double, triple check everything that I do, um, really kind of make sure that I was executing things in the way that I wanted them to be done um, when I was asking or communicating things, making sure that I was doing that extremely effectively. So, I mean, kudos to her, Joy Dertiger. She was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's like, one of the things I think about a lot is my bosses that were easy, I liked going to work. (laughs) My bosses that were hard, I liked working for them. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it at the time. I Mm -hmm. I, I think I took some of it for granted until many years later. You know, I just Mm -hmm. thought she was mean (laughs) sometimes. So she had a very motherly figure side to her. Um, But I think I didn't appreciate it uh, as I do now. You know, back then it took a while. Yeah. Well, I was like, it's almost like our parents, right? Like when we were kids, we're like, screw you. You know, I know better. But then when you're older, like, oh, thank God God. you did that. I know. I know. My mom and Uh, I definitely had our battles when I was younger. But, you know, now she's my best friend. So. Well, I had this boss that was like kind of like the easy boss in my, in my life. And like, yeah. And I love going to work cause I could just be like whatever type of asshole I wanted to be. Like it was like, I, and at the time I actually liked going to work cause it was just hanging out doing whatever. And mm-hmm. when I had my first real boss, I was like, Oh shit, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> I hate this. And then you're a jerk. Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing yeah. was like the bosses afterwards, they, it, it wasn't that they were jerks or not jerks. Like, I mean, yes, there were some jerks. Yes, there weren't some jerks. But more so is I didn't like working hard at first because oh. I had had this like my first initial real deal professional career had just been me coasting along working for this guy who wasn't a hard boss. Oh, okay. But once I learned w- the benefit of working hard and how that changed my day to day, I didn't like mm-hmm. going to work. I wasn't like, oh, because going to work was no longer hanging out. But I liked working there because I was constantly learning, constantly stretching myself. Mm-hmm. I was seeing way more success. My like intellectually, yeah. I was way sharper. And it was yeah. that idea, like what you said, like a boot camp. It's like being in that boot camp situation when you're early on and you're like gasping for breath and you're like, oh, I can't take it. It sucks. Yeah. But like right. when you're a few months in and you've had hit your stride and you're like, this is tough. This is hard. But I know it's good for me and I'm starting to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, you know, the, the productivity and then, then the earned respect that came, you know, later as, as I did that consistently and started to move up and get recognized more, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's when it started to really click for me, you know, Mm -hmm. that, okay, this does pay off. They say that hard work pays off. (laughs) It does actually. (laughs) Well, from like your unique perspective, if you think about what you know about yourself now that you didn't know about yourself, let's say 10 years ago, what you know about yourself as a person or a professional, what do you know about yourself now as a result of what you, of the journey you've been through with uh, building up your own firm? Um, Get the tough stuff out of the way 
right away. You know, I've learned the only way out is through. <laughs> uh, I say this all the time. And I feel like I've got to have a lot of tough conversations with people. Uh, and I, and I feel sometimes I got to be tough on my staff and it's better to just get into it, you know, and just really lay that down as soon as possible, not let it fester and not let it kind of sit behind you, taunting you because this stuff doesn't go away. You know, it doesn't just disappear on its own. And a lot of times it actually gets worse if you just leave it there. So, you know, and we've seen that in a million different situations uh, in our line of work. And um, it's just, it's just good to face things head on. And, and I didn't always do that very well. <laughs> you know, I definitely had some, you know, try to bury my head in the sand moments when I was younger. Uh, and those things never worked out. They always come back around to get to you. They always come back. Mm-hmm. So what's your, like, what's your style of having a tough conversation? So like, let's say what's your style with having a tough conversation with a client versus having a tough conversation with your staff? Like, how do you do it? The conversation sucks, but it is what it is. So I've tried to just kind of remove that in my mind of, of, oh, I'm about to have the tough conversation. Instead, mm-hmm. just reframe and be like, I've got to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I just have to talk about this right now. And I think if you kind of look at it from that perspective, rather than, um, you know, leading with the gray cloud and just say, this just is something we have to do and be really solution oriented about it. I think that tends to work a little bit better because if you go in there and you're kind of doing the Eeyore dance, like, oh, this is going to be tough. And then you're all just kind of like lamenting about it together. And then, and then I don't know if you're actually dealing with anything, you know, you're just kind of all being sad and or bummed out. So it's like, Hey, let's go cold, hard facts, black and white details. This is what's going on. And here are some solutions that I've got for this, you know, which route do you want to take? Or do you have any other ideas? Uh, how do you want to tackle this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so like, I, I agree with you. The more that you've got something just hanging around, the more it's going to be difficult for them, but it's going to be more difficult for you. And just from like mm-hmm. a psychological perspective, adding so much more weight, so much more weaning, meaning like forecasting disaster, forecasting success, like a heavy conversation becomes exponentially more heavy the, the more you hide from it. And it becomes exponentially more difficult to have in a real way because you've added so much um, false narrative to it the longer you hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's just kind of stewing on it. Yeah. I was listening to another podcast uh, a few months ago and they were talking about, you know, three realities of every situation, you know, it's like your perspective, my perspective, and then this kind of like thought up one that's floating around in the middle, you know, and it's, we, you got to talk from both sides and see kind of what's really going on. And and I just think, yes, acknowledging that, but really not spending too much time in the problem Mm -hmm. and actually try to just get out of it and focus forward, you know, on the solution. It's just better for everybody. Oh, totally. So let's talk about, about your firm. Um, tell us about, I know we covered this in the intro, but for those who need a little bit more information, tell us about what your firm does, but also I'd love to hear the story of how you started it. Okay. Um, yeah. So business management is more or less a fancy title for an accountant. Uh, it's Mm -hmm interesting in that our clients are largely uh, creative people. So, you know, performers and writers, producers, directors, um, you know, we've worked with athletes and, um, I, and they've got this unique way of doing business, especially, you know, somebody who tours or travels a lot uh, because they're just this little corporation that's, you know, not traditional in the sense of going to work every day, kind of floats all over the planet. Uh, and there's a lot of things that come with that. So, you know, we've got tax situations, uh, around the world often with a lot of our clients. So we've got to deal with those. I think a lot of people don't realize if you're seeing a tour every night in, you know, 30 different States, you've got to file tax returns in all those places, things like that. 
become very nuanced. So, you know, it's pretty specific, but then, you know, we do just a lot of basic adulting as well, you know, paying bills, collecting money, handling insurance, um, some boring things just because our clients are really busy and, and their, their time is generally not best spent doing these little things. So, you know, we try to relieve them of that so they can focus on what they're good at and go be creative and do that work uh, so that we can all enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I, well, you know, I, I love music. I've been so deep in a music scene since I can remember, you know, being very, very young and going to my first shows and, um, you know, ditching at a high school to go stand outside of a venue in San Francisco. So I could like run to the front <laughs> and, uh, don't ditch at a high school day. Uh, <laughs> um uh yeah not leading by example as well, i think they could, they could zoom in high school now they could probably do both at the same time i know right probably again just a blurrier background um yeah and and so it's just something i've always been passionate about and um i played music for a while and when that didn't really work out i just i wasn't sure what to do when i was finishing school and my dad and my stepmom are accountants and they, you know, they're like, Hey, it's a great career. And I thought, you know what? Screw it. You're right. <laughs> I'll just do it and I'll go be like my parents. I'll, I'll throw in the towel and stop being cool, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I did that and I, I did public accounting for a while and mm-hmm. it was as boring as uh, I'm making it out to be for me anyway. I know there's a lot of people that do it. Um, and I just got so lucky at a certain point uh, I met this woman she was a headhunter and um, she just asked me about what I was into and what my life was like and what my background was and she was like you know musicians and performers and stuff they need accountants too Mm -hmm. and I was like oh yeah of course they do (laughs) and uh, it just kind of clicked with me and she got me some interviews and I got my first business management job and I walked into that firm and I knew day one that I was at home. I was like, all right, here we go. I finally figured this whole thing out. You know, I found my place in the world. And um, yeah, so that's when the hard work began. That's when I went into boot camp. And I worked at some really big firms. I mean, two of the biggest ones that could possibly be. Um, and, and that was great. You know, it was definitely educational. I got to work for a bunch of different partners. I got to work on massive clients. Um, some of the biggest, coolest stuff in the world, major tours soaked in as much as I could. Um, and then I started to just kind of explore what it might look like if I did something a little bit different. And I met a partner that I ended up going to work for at a more boutique firm. And he, he was a mentor for me, definitely in terms of, um, you know, what it would look like for me to be a partner at a firm. And I started to kind of build my practice there and started to bring in clients and, and do that work. And, uh, you know, he encouraged that for me and really wanted that for me. And so at a certain point I got to a level where I wanted to be a partner, you know, and I was kind of making that a little bit uh, known. (laughs) Um, but they had a longer term plan for me that, uh, I, didn't work with my timeline. And so I took off <laughs> with my clients and I, I went off on my own and <laughs> the rest is history. And it was, it was wild, you know, and there are moments of me looking back and going like, wow, that was ballsy, you know, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't change a second of it. I mean, no. Not at all. all right. So how long have you been on your own now? <laughs> seven years. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, lucky seven. <laughs> year one, you make yeah. the leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have to fight off any lawsuits? No, I didn't. Um, actually, when I left my boss at the time, he said, he said, oh, I just don't want to see you fail. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's, that felt like such a low blow for me. Mm-hmm knowing who I am and how I operate. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if that was a scare tactic or, or if he truly meant that, but I will never forget those words coming out of his mouth and they lit fire under me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I didn't take anything with me that I didn't bring in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, but I have had clients circle back (laughs) to me now. Yeah, of course. Uh Yeah. Of course. Years later. When I started Cadence, I was working at a, at a, at a bigger firm and, um, the owner is just a dick. (laughs) There's no other way to say it. Yeah. And, uh, I hated working for him and I knew, I knew there was going to be a parting of ways. And mm-hmm. when I started Cadence, I, I didn't really have an intention of starting it that day, but you know, we had a conversation, him <laughs> and I, and I was like, that's it. I start my own company today. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'd say 80% of my clients came with me on, on in week one. And anyone mm-hmm. that didn't come with me has come to me over time. And mm-hmm. Over the years, a bunch more of their clients have come over to me. And the whole key yeah. is it's like you can have a big name, you can be a big firm, you can be established, but if you mm. suck or if you're a dick or if there's something going on where you're too yeah. big and you're not providing good service, you will get outmaneuvered. Yeah. And it sounds like you were underestimated. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know why? It's because I was a 30 year old woman covered mm-hmm. in tattoos and they yeah. were like, cool, cool, have fun, kid. Yeah, we'll yeah. see what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have offices in three states mm-hmm. and we're coming for the big firms. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, uh, that's the story. That's the story. They're like, we're coming for you. Like, cause we yeah. are. What you mean, so Siri, Siri, <laughs> sorry, Siri, Siri, I hope you're on board with us or we're coming for you next. Um, all right. But we're, but that, that's the truth of it. So let's talk about year one. What was that like? Uh, terrifying. I mean, I definitely, I, I had enough money knowing I could be very comfortable for at least six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if everything went belly up, mm-hmm. uh, and that didn't happen actually. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I had to pinch myself, but mm-hmm. I had, I had an amazing year one mm-hmm. and a better year two and a better mm-hmm. year three and every year just keeps getting better. And mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've added clients, we've added staff and it just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, I'm just, I feel the hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. The staying true to yourself pays off. Authenticity pays off. Uh, and it just got to stay that course and really believe that all of these things that I've been doing and that I've been sticking to, uh, will continue to, you know, reap benefits to me for years and years to come. So why was it that you had the guts, the courage, the moxie, like whatever it is to make that leap? Because a lot of people think about it. What is it about you? Is it just something natural about you? Is it something you learned about yourself? Like, is it like, like, did you just always have this in you or is it something that like, you can really say like, no, it's this thing. I knew, as I said earlier, I, I knew day one, I was going to be a partner at a firm mm-hmm. and I've got a couple of friends in the industry who, um, I've uh, got one friend who's a manager friend of mine and he's, he's, he's been a benchmarker for me. So kind of oh. watch what he's doing. And when he mm-hmm. goes and does stuff, I'm like, oh. All right. Me too, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel like, yeah, there's kind of like this sense of, well, I won't be left behind from my, my benchmarking team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm just not, a, I'm not afraid, mm-hmm. you know, I, this is what I want. And I, if I want something I'll get it mm-hmm. I'm just, I will. I'll do whatever I've got to do. So I, I loved what you said earlier. We were like, I instantly did a calculation of like, if everything went as terrible as it possibly could, I could survive <laughs> for six to 12 months. Cause like mm-hmm. being a small business owner myself, I literally think that way every mm-hmm. year when I'm setting everything up, I'm like, all right. So if the company completely failed today, like how long could we last? And then how long could I last? And mm-hmm. like, we're heading into, we're just finishing our fifth year. So we're heading into our sixth year. And like, mm-hmm. like, it's, it, it's got some similarities to your story. Like we're doing quite well. It's, it's grown each year. It's an interesting thing though. Like, why do you think like that? Why do you have that kind of thinking? Like, well, if the, if I suddenly at the tap was turned totally off, I could survive this long. Like, what is the benefit of that kind of thinking for you? 
Well, my motto is plan for the worst and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And we do this with our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've just kind of lived this way for a while. It's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? And what can I do to circumvent any of that mm -hmm. uh, and plan around it? Mm -hmm. And then you go along and I've found that I've often been pleasantly surprised that the worst doesn't often happen. I mean, bad things happen or you get hiccups, bumps in the road. Obviously the pandemic is actually the worst thing that's ever happened. And we think God, we're really somewhat prepared for it probably more than other people were. Yeah. Just kind of always keeping that in the back of your mind, you know, you never know what's going to happen in life. Like you can make a solid plan, but you got to throw it out the window a lot or just remold it constantly. So I think if you plan for the worst case scenario, you know, you've done the best you can. You know, and so something you said a little bit ago, it's like, if you, if you stay true to yourself and you stay authentic, like good things are going to happen, it's going to pay off. Yeah. But what if someone's, yeah. a, what if someone's a dick or what if they're not good at what <laughs> they do, but they stay like, cause like, it's like, I agree with you 100%. Like, <laughs> I think people who are like, are built a certain way and have a certain mm -hmm. level of talent. If they stay true to themselves, 100% it's going to pay off that. Like what you said, I resonate with that hard, but also there's yeah, going to be people listening to this. who are going to be like, yeah, that's right. But what if they suck at what they do? And what if they're like, kind of like not nice people, like, should they stay well, true to themselves? Like, how do you know <laughs> if you should stay true to yourself and keep your, keep your course? Like where's a barometer for that? Yeah. I mean, God, well then you've got to just have some self-awareness. I mean, mm -hmm. And I know not everybody has that. Uh, I think I'm uh, I'm probably overly self-aware to the point of like replaying things I've said or situations that I've been in over and over and over in my head. Like, oh man, what would I have done differently? Or wow, I wish I didn't say that. Um, but I think that's, you know, good learning tool for, you know, what would I do if I get presented with this situation again? Being contrived definitely repels things or just it, it, it attracts the wrong thing. So, you know, when I was younger in business management, I thought I needed to be more like these business managers that I worked for. Mm -hmm. And it just felt really wrong, you know, wearing kind of the business casual stuff, covering my tattoos, not feeding into an entire you know, lifetime of what makes me, me mm. and not using that to my advantage. And so I do think that I, I had some clients that I, I had that I attracted or I brought in that ended up being a really poor fit because, you know, we're trying to, um, you know, adapt to each other, um, awkwardly, which, you know, just creates tension and, that doesn't work for what we do. I mean, we have really close relationships with our clients. So it's really important that we gel and that we get along and that things kind of coast. And it does take a while to get to that coasting period, but the there should be a honeymoon period at the beginning where we're getting to know each other and we're getting you know into the nitty gritty um, as we're getting to that coasting track. And you've really got to get on and you've really got to understand each other and respect each other and be able to work together uh, day to day for that to work. And being really transparent about how I work, who I am, what's going on around me, what's going on, you know, in terms of um, the workflow that we're in, it, it it's uh it's benefited me in that I get to that coasting period uh, a lot easier now with clients. Uh, Cause I think we have the right, the right clients. Yeah. Well, I, I like, I really like what you said there. And the way I'd equate it is something that you and I are be really familiar with is if your band is good or if your band sucks, if your band's talented <laughs> or if your band is talentless, like, so, you know, like it's to say like, yeah, if you believe in yourself and you grind it out, the right things will happen. Well, it's like, yeah. well, maybe the right thing is your band breaks up because you suck. Like, you know, like, right. like it, and, and I like what you're saying about self-awareness and finding fit because that's, mm -hmm. that's for me, like, so like as a coach, what people expect of themselves or what they want out of themselves 
mm-hmm. isn't always really like if you if you're working with them and you're you're helping with their development, you're like, eh, I don't know if that's going to work for you, or I don't know if it's going to yeah. work for you here, or I don't know if it's going to work yeah. for you in that way. And right. some of the work, you know, a, a good coach should never be about pumping up someone's tires if they're shooting for something where that is out like they're, they're lacking self-awareness so they're trying to shoot for something yeah. that's unrealistic at the same time you don't want to like crush people's dreams be like no you'll never do that for me it's about finding fit and someone who mm-hmm. might want to be like a ceo of a company mm-hmm. well yeah like maybe you don't want to like maybe you can't be the ceo of this like multinational company but maybe you could be a, a ceo of like a really cool startup or like a nice midsize or maybe of like a you maybe you can like be the the ceo like quote-unquote owner of like a local business and yeah. it's not like it doesn't have to be one thing, but really understanding fit and how you can be that right version of yourself has so much to do with like the right kind of environment, the right kind of business and how you're, how you're setting yourself in just like a band. It's like, yeah, you can grind for sure. But like, not everybody gets to be the Beatles. Like the Beatles get to be the Beatles. And then yeah. like the tears down from that, not everybody gets to be like of this level or that level. Mm-hmm. If you're in it just for the love of music and you love playing, you love honing your art. Maybe you just get yeah. content of, of what you, maybe your version of making it is being a well-regarded local band that, that plays consistently mm-hmm. and setting those expectations and knowing what environment to play in. Yeah. I mean, there's a place for everyone. And I, I truly believe this, right? I, I believe like there's, there's enough work and, and there's enough, there's really enough to go around. Like if in the entertainment industry, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and we were talking about competition in my business mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I'm, I'm a competitive person. I'm not going to lie, but, but I also believe that there's enough work to go around. And also I'm not for everybody. Not mm-hmm. every client is going to come meet with me and be dazzled by me. Yeah, They might be like, wow, that one's not my style, <laughs> you know? Um, but there are a lot that are the right fit for me and that are right fit for my firm. And, and then the ones that aren't, they'll go somewhere else where there is somebody for them. There totally is. And, you know, in the entertainment industry, not everybody has to be an A-lister. I've got clients who are, you know, really cool indie artists that do lots of different things and there's totally a place for them. And they have wildly successful careers that maybe you don't hear about as much, because, you know, it's not the, you know, razzle dazzle all over the internet and all over the news and stuff, but that there's still a place for them, plenty of work and everything to go around. So it's just, it's finding where you fit in and really leaning into that and going for it, you know? Yeah. Like the idea of success, like success can be such like a black and white term. It's like, Oh, I want to be like this person. It's like, I don't know. Like what about five degrees off that person or 10 degrees off that person Mm -hmm. or that business? And like something I've learned. You have things that are like, sorry to interrupt you, but not, not even five degrees off a person. What if you want to pull, you know, certain attributes off of a lot of things that inspire you, you know, and be a combination of those things. Totally. In your own way. Totally. Like, it's funny what you said. Like, I'm, when I mean, you're like, oh, I'm actually kind of a competitive person. <laughs> I, I am like, you know, Dave Larson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used to always say, like, oh, I'm not, I'm only competitive with myself. I'm not that competitive. And Larson would always like roll his eyes and be like, oh, shut up. Like, you're the yeah. most competitive. Yeah. And I, I finally come to admit I'm super competitive. But mm-hmm. why I would always say I wasn't competitive, because I viewed it only in the terms of, the negative traits that I saw in other people, people who were dicks about it and people mm-hmm. who like, you know, would yeah. like be like sneaky or shitty. What yeah. I've come to realize is like, I love, I love the, um, uh, I love the, the race, the chase. I love, I love being yeah. in the battle, you know? And like, I, I just yeah. like, I love it, but I also, I love having, uh, being surrounded by people who bring out the best in me where like, it's the competition mm-hmm. that brings out the best in me and makes me better. Yeah. And, and I hope it does the same for them. So for me, I, I love to win, but when I lose, I'm not like, Ugh. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So like, what's the next thing? Like you keep going. Yeah. And, and I actually love competition Yeah, and it's, and it's something, well, it's something I learned about myself, like within like recent years, basically of just like, stop avoiding, stop avoiding things because you're implying a negative trait to it. Why don't you find the good mm-hmm. in it? Like stop avoiding things about yourself. Cause you're worried it has a negative trait instead 
pursue the positive trait side of that. And that's, that's something mm-hmm. I've been working on is like not, not holding down pieces of myself, but more like pushing them forward, but trying to find the, the right side of it rather than fearing the negative side of it. When you're confident and you push those things forward, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't jive well with everyone. You know, I think I definitely have been, uh, I don't want to say this. I've definitely had moments of, you know, imposter syndrome or, Mm -hmm. or maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe I don't belong here. And then, you know, even just reading, uh, you know, a, a bio about myself is, is so weird. And then I'm like, but I did do all of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I actually did. And I do those things, you know, so it's, it's funny when you kind of second guess it, but then on the other hand, if you're, you know, too gun ho about it, then yeah, people might think you're a dick. So it's, it's kind of like, where's the healthy balance? Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think that's tough for all of us. Well, and one of the things that I know is super important to you is not being like, a dick like not being a jerk and specific to your industry like why is that important for me like i know we could say it's important in general but specific to your industry why is it important to not like act like that well it's small you know and everything comes back around and i don't like to burn bridges and i'm not perfect i've definitely you know stumbled and and i'm willing to admit those those things uh which is hard and you know, there's just also, there's a lot of entitlement. I think it is, I think there's a change happening really in the industry, but you know, there's uh, for a long time been a lot of entitlement. Uh, and, and that's, it's tough to deal with and it's tough to swallow. And I just don't, I don't see any need for it. You know, I have to have tough conversations all the time, but I think there's ways to navigate those without, without being mean, without attacking and, and, uh, you know, again, being solution oriented and trying to find, um, healthy ways forward for that work for everybody, you know, because ultimately I just want everybody to be comfortable and happy and, and safe and, <laughs> and secure and all those things. Um, so, you know, if you just keep that in mind that, you know, that's really where we're at and what we're trying to do. It's like, yeah, we've got all this hard work and we have really, really tough days. We have deadlines that we have to meet constantly. Shit hits the fan sometimes. And we just, you know, you really got to, you really got to deal with some situations that are not great for anyone involved, but you know, you, you got to do it. You just have to do it and find a way forward and, and, and not attack people, you know, when, they've kind of fumbled along the way and instead be like, okay, is this fixable? How are we fixing it? Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, with that, like you're talking about this, like hard work and a thing I do know about you, you are a super hard worker. We've yeah. also seen a lot of like talk in the media in, in a good way of, of kind of like looking at like a little bit more self care. And then of course around the Olympics and in, in other sports as well, we've been seeing like top tier athletes saying like, Hey, actually my mental health is being affected and, and, and withdrawing from competition. And in some cases that's been celebrated in other cases it's been like huge, crazy backlash. So what are your thoughts around finding that balance around like, you know, that kind of rise and grind attitude versus like taking care of yourself? I'm pretty good at it. I've got a solid routine. I know that I need time, me time. So I'm a big morning person. So I get up super early in the morning and totally spend time with myself and my coffee and working out. I'm just trying to get my mind right before I even dive in to work. So, you know, I try to, I try to lead on a good note. Uh, I posted something this morning that was like the best thing you can do is choose to have a good day. (laughs) Um, And I woke, I, I had a pretty tough day yesterday, but I ended it by, you know, talking to some family talking to some friends. I took myself out to dinner and ended it on a high note. And I woke up today and, and I decided I was going to have a good day, you know, and I wasn't going to let yesterday's tough day uh, dictate today and it's super important to do you know it's 
there we're all going to have tough days, tough situations. Uh, and I know that we're all facing them right now and especially having the last year and a half, but you know, you've got to, got to get your mind right. And, you know, not, not in a toxic positivity way. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, if things suck, then that you're okay to wallow in that for a bit, but you just can't let it be all consuming for too long. You know, it's tough sometimes, you know, when stuff goes wrong at work or, you know, something happens with one of my clients or one of my clients is pissed off at me or somebody uh, in my office that wrecks me. I mean, and I, I bet, I bet they don't even realize that, you know, mm-hmm. cause people often just think about themselves, but you know, that is so hard on me and I'm so hard on myself. It just, I mean, I can spiral. I can really get in my own head about it and it can really bum me out. And so I've got to try really hard to remember the good parts, you know, and deal with the bad parts and fix any situation that I might be involved in if, if it goes that way or, you know, have the tough conversation, but also not to let it get in the way of all of the good things too, you know. Totally. Uh, 100%. And that, like, I feel you when, when we have a client issue, I get like pukey, like my stomach Mm -hmm. gets like, I sick in my stomach and Mm -hmm. I like, I can beat up on myself and be like, Oh, Oh, you're so stupid. Why'd you let that thing happen? And it's hard. It's really hard to pull myself out. And I'm only good at pulling myself out of it when my self care is like, like right up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. can Can I share something I've been thinking about a lot lately? Yeah. So like, you know, there's this, again, I only mean this in a good way. There's like a lot of talk, like, let's normalize this. Let's normalize that. And that's great. Like, I'm totally into it. Like, there's a lot of stuff, positive changes that I'd like to see normalized. And one of the things that, that it's been coming up a lot is like, let's normalize, like, like not being toxic about rise and grind or, or, you know, like let's normalize <laughs> like self-care and, and working hard. One of the things though, that I, I think is super important. I've been, I've been struggling with how to phrase this. It's like, Let's think about these elite athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like because they're elite athletes. Like I think that's incredible that they're saying, hey, no, my mental health, like I, I can't do this. That is like mm-hmm. I think one of the healthiest, most wonderful, powerful things. And they've worked their butts off to get into those positions, you know, like yeah. and and if anyone on the planet should have the right to do that, they should have the right to do that. Yeah. And and I certainly think everyone should have the right to do that 100 percent. But working like if you want to slot yourself into a job and just kind of have a nice life a a nice comfortable life for sure yeah no problem there's nothing wrong with that if you want to build something if you want to build Mm -hmm. something of your own or be part of building something that is going to be hard ass work you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life and there is a like i hate that term like rise and grind but i'm up at five five every single morning Mm-hmm. And I work late and I have yeah. a super dedicated team of people around me who like help me like get, get through it because there's no way I could do it by myself. And it's hard. It's really hard. So while I think like self-care and taking a pause on all those things are like 100% important uh, to be talking about, I also think it's kind of equally important to talk about like the discipline of hard work and why it matters. Yeah. And I think both of those things should exist in common conversation that like, this like intensity of work isn't a bad thing. It's actually, if you're building something you're passionate about, it's a necessity as also is taking care of yourself. Yeah. You know, I really can't often do the, I need a mental health day. I mean, I just have too much to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's the time investment. I really have to work all day, every day. I have so much to do, but I like what I do. So I'm happy to do what I do. I, mm-hmm. I, I get to do what I do, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's, it's fine. And, and don't get me wrong. I've definitely, you know, told my assistant like, Hey, I'm going to go walk the dog. Like I'm just having a really tough morning and I'm going to go take a walk mm-hmm. and, and just kind of get outside, get some fresh air, reset my brain, move mm-hmm. my body. When I'm frustrated, I like to move my body mm-hmm. and, and then come back and go, okay, now I'm going to deal with this, you know, head on. You've got to take care of yourself, I believe, in taking care of your health. You know, we've got one body. you got to be nice to it. Um, and I think that your physical well-being is, you know, it flows into everything else 
in your life. That is important. And I, I do make those things priority, but also my work, my business is everything. I mean, I, I really, this is my life. <laughs> you know, it's everything I've worked for for so many years. So of course I'm going to rise and grind and do it all, you know, to the best of my ability. Totally. And, and, and both can be true. You can work your ass off and you can strive to take care of yourself. And I think what we saw at the Olympics and then also, of course, what we've seen from other like uh, top tier athletes is just like, yeah, that's cool. That's, and th those, that's, that's an incredibly powerful thing to do. Good for you. And these are people who have been like spent their lives rising and grinding. So like, yeah, of course they're going to yeah. do that. Um, so I think both conversations matter. I think the idea that working super hard is toxic is like a bad idea to get out there. Cause if you're working super, super hard for someone who, who is, um, in, in an industry that treats you poorly, then yeah, I think that's terrible, but working super hard actually can be like a wonderful experience. If, if your focus is on something that matters to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely gratifying like getting stuff done. And, um, you know, when, when we're accomplishing tasks and getting it done and doing a good job and, and being appreciated for it and our clients are happy and everything's going off without a hitch, then yeah, it feels great. <laughs> There's oh, nothing better God. really. <laughs> it feels so good. All right. Let's, let's hit on a couple other questions I got to ask you though. So like, okay. you know, you and I are talking like small firm stuff and, and your firm is, is certainly growing. So like small firm is kind of like a, a wavy term here, but like or boutique. Yeah. Boutique. I, I like that. I like that. So, what is it about big firms that, that didn't really click with you? And like, why are they, why are they so, it's really hard for them to turn the ship and adapt. So why is that from your perspective? Yeah. Well, you know, we're at, deep down, I'm just an old punk rock kid from the mm -hmm. Bay area. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like that, that DIY ethic, like it lives in me. It, mm -hmm. It's, it's just, who I have been for, you know, 30 years. <laughs> so, you know, that, I think that's always just been, you know, important to just, I feel like I've got to, I have to know how to do it all and how to do it myself so that I can lead others uh, to do it um, and, and kind of show the way. And the big firms for me, obviously, with that aesthetic being corporate goes kind of against all of those things for the most part, even working in entertainment, there's still totally like root corporate aspects of those big companies that, you know, kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit. Um, dress codes, <laughs> which I think are crazy. Um, and yeah, the, the adaptation of the way that we've started to work and communicate and be efficient over the last even 10 years has changed pretty drastically. And it's a lot harder to implement those things into something that's been running for decades. Change is a lot harder. And being a smaller firm, you know, we can be more nimble. We can, we can adapt new technologies, new systems, new protocols, uh, that make more sense and make us better and more efficient a lot easier. And uh, I never want to lose that. You know, I think it's a, it makes us cutting edge. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And if the pandemic has shown anything, uh, <laughs> I, I was never happier to be leading a small company rather than a big company during the pandemic. Yeah. I was like, oh, like we could all just change this today. Whereas if it was a big yeah. company, it's like, oh God, how are we going to change this? Right. Yeah. Well, we had already been working toward a like work remote one or two days a week kind of thought process, which is something I've been thinking about for years. Mm -hmm. So we had a cloud-based somewhat remote setup already going on when this hit. So it was kind of like, take your stuff home. We'll figure this out. And I am so grateful that we had already been kind of thinking that way for so long, because I do think that shift was not nearly as abrupt for us as it was for other firms. Like 100%. Like on our side, we had only ever worked remote. Like we have a shared space that we use in Vancouver, but beyond that, like we all worked remote. Uh, right. A lot of our stuff was like all like figuring out how to do some of our stuff online that we did in person, but it was like, 
yeah. within three months, I was like, oh, th- oh this is fine. It- it's actually cool. Yeah. Um, and that small business flexibility, like, I don't know. It's like, I like yeah. what you said. It's like kind of the DIY punk in me is like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. Like we can move. As we're moving towards wrapping up, I got three questions for you. Okay. So I know you are passionate about what you do. And, and you're also passionate, as you said earlier, about like clearing the way for um, other women coming up in, in, in business in general, uh, but also in your industry specifically. What's a change that you think realistically could be made that would, that would like create a, create a change in the next like two to five years, something that we could tackle now. Mm, equal pay. Mm. I mean, if you're an employer, it is your duty to equal pay all mm. of your staff. It just, it is regardless of their gender or sexuality or anything. And, and I'm not talking about not talking about discrimination. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is a form of pay discrimination, but uh, you know, it's it's your responsibility to do better and to you know make sure that if you've got a man and a woman doing the same job, that they better be getting the same benefits, the same pay, same flexibility, same respect you know, as anyone else, we're seeing more of it because people are being more vocal about it and people in positions of power, people, you know, A-list stars are starting to uh, talk about what they got paid for certain projects They're finding out, you know, that their male counterparts are getting paid more. Um, So it's good because it's, you know, challenging uh, some of these big companies, but, you know, for all of us as business owners, that's, that's something that, we can easily do. And the more of us do it, then it will start to, you know, unfold itself. So I encourage you, if you run a business to look at your salaries and make sure that everyone is getting paid equally and fairly. Could I share a brief anecdote with you on that? Yeah. Um, so we tried to do a, um, an episode that was on this specifically. And we had, mm-hmm. uh, we had two professionals on here and we actually could never finish the episode because, um, the people we were speaking with were like, this could haunt our careers if we talk about this. And it was such a, 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 a and, and they were right. And it, and it also made me realize it's like, whoa, I am woefully unprepared to have these kinds of conversations. Cause it's like what you said, you, you said it so clearly and just so like, when you said it, I was like, hell yeah. But, and then I always go back to this conversation. It's like, part of why this isn't happening is because people are afraid to like screw up their lives or screw up, or like they think like it will screw up my life or screw up my career if I stand up. And for, so the people who, who stood up, it's like hugely courageous because they're kind of taking a huge risk there. And for yeah. everyone who doesn't stand up on this, it's like, you're kind of leaving them out hanging, you know, like, because yeah. like, this is still a real thing now that's happening and it's not changed. It seems like it should be able to change like that. Like I remember hearing about this as a kid and being outraged and here I am like 47 and it's still Mm -hmm. a thing. How is that possible? I know. And today's women's equality day. So Mm -hmm. stand up. I mean, I know. Who who knew what time? I know I got, (laughs) I know, right. I know that I got passed up for promotions. I know that I was underpaid in jobs. I'm, I know that there are jobs that, you know, people at firms I used to work for have that they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. They know who they are. <laughs> well, and the thing is, they do know who they are. Or maybe they don't. That's the weird thing. And maybe like, they this- don't. Maybe they are not self-aware enough to know that. But I'd like to think that somewhere in there they do. And right. I mean, I know some of my bosses, my past bosses. I know some of them know that they really missed the boat with me. I know well, of they course. do. Of course. I mean, your success is like unquestionable and like, there's nothing better than like doing something <laughs> super cool afterwards for people to be like, Oh, I miscalculated <laughs> that. They, I underestimated yeah. that person. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to this though. Like, cause like very often it's on people who are being underpaid to like, kind of like mm-hmm. raise the flag and do the push. And that sucks. Yeah. That's like, that's mm-hmm. like, why do people have to do all this labor who are already being affected here? So like, do you have like one or two practical things you think bosses could do to ensure that? 
outside of just being like, I'm going to pay everyone equally. Like what, what are one or two things that you think people could do? You know, there's a lot of this, um, women owned business, uh, labeling going on. Um, I'm in Nashville right now and I, and they have like stickers on the door. Um, when it's a woman owned business, I love that. And, you know, I always lead with that, you know, we're woman powered. Um, but I think there also can be some sort of, you know, we're equal pay advocates. And mm. when you're advertising for positions or you're hiring, you know, you can use that language in your advertisement. So, and I think that will become more attractive to people who are job seeking, right? Saying, oh, good. I, I like knowing that, that I'm going to go into this conversation of taking a new position, of negotiating my new salary, of doing all of these things with somebody who already, you know, has has made a statement that they're open to that conversation and that, you know, they're, you know, doing their best to be um, honest and, and true to that. Yeah, there should, we should just, we got to talk about it more. It should be up front. That is so sick. Like, I, I, I'm going to tell you, I've never actually heard of someone doing that before, but like putting that in a job listing, like we're, we're equal, we're equal pay advocates. That's mm-hmm. something that like, I think is a really simple, smart thing to do to set the stage for the right kind of conversation when you're bringing <laughs> someone on. <laughs> no, it's not. But that's like, so much of this stuff is like, I mean, how could I have like, I remember as a little kid. So like my, my mom was the breadwinner of our family. And when I heard about like, a pay, pay inequality. I was like outraged. And I was like young, but like, here mm-hmm. I am 40 years later and it's still a thing. And it's like, it seems so simple, but like, why is it so complex? So yeah, it, it, it shouldn't be rocket science. It should be things like this. But so much of that work seems to, again, fall on people who are being underpaid rather than the people who are positions of power. So I think that was a, an incredible, simple thing that someone could put into play that is a really, really good start. So thank you. Okay. Second question. Yeah. This one's way harder. I hope you're ready for this one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, listen, I'm not going to hold you to this. It could change tomorrow. It could change later on today. It could change a month from now. Either you're not okay. being held to this. Okay. Top three barrier punk records. Oh God. <laughs> oh no. I'm just going to like list a bunch of like AFI albums. Mm. <laughs> Um, gosh, I remember listening to like answer that and stay fashionable, um, jawbreaker, dear you, obviously classic. Um, you can only pick three, only pick three. (sighs) That's a tough one. Um, my goodness, that third one. Don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm. Fuck, man. AFI was everything to me when I was a kid in like mm-hmm. middle school and high school, and I could just like listen to all of it forever. I can't answer that. <laughs> um, so we got answer that and stay fashionable from AFI. We got dear yeah. you by from Jawbreaker, and then we got the third yeah. one. I don't know, man. I can't answer that. <laughs> that right. I'm like, I have so many things swimming through my head that I can't land on one. I mean, honestly, I feel like if I I would just pick an entire discography of probably AFI and Jawbreaker because that's probably what I listened to like a crazy person when I was a kid. I mean, okay. that's probably all, like most of what I listened to. Oh, no, I drove my mom crazy. Not a Bay Area band, but Lifetime. I know I drove my mother absolutely insane with that band. So much so that she bought me a Lifetime tattoo for my 21st birthday. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. All right. Final question. Final question. Okay. Final question. Any advice that you want to share for any of our listeners? Remember, we've got people who come from all sorts of different walks of life. If you're thinking about leadership, any advice that you want to share with our audience about how they can show up as leaders in their own or in the lives of other people? I mean, remember that the other person on the other side of whatever transaction or situation that you're in is also a person that has a whole load of whatever behind them and just try and be better to each other, you know? So nothing's one-sided. We're not alone. We're not an island. Um, 
I think, you know, we can all stand to think about the other, the person on the other side a little bit more, you know, we get really wrapped up in ourselves and I get it. We all have a lot of stuff, but you know, so does, so does the other person across the aisle. Heck yeah. I think that's uh, wonderfully said. All right. Uh, Kristen, this is a huge honor having you on here again. Like I was super Thank psyched you. to have you on here. I like, I was thinking of like, Oh, who do I want to have on? And instantly like, I gotta have Kristen on. And, uh, I'm so glad. Not, Thank you. Yeah, no, did not disappoint. So, um, with that, any last words as we're signing off? No, you know, it's, we've got a long way to go, but if there are ladies out there listening, Keep fighting the good fight. Heck yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone. We will see you in the outro. And Spencer, drop the beat. Uh, it was an incredible conversation. Kristen, thank you again so much. You know, like one person, one idea, one day, one decision, and suddenly you got your own business. And you know, you gotta have some idea where you're going, but you don't need to know where the complete destination is. I think of Kristen, she knew right away, like, hey, I'm gonna be a partner, but really that wasn't the real destination. She just kind of had a general direction and that direction changed your life in a hugely positive way. You gotta believe your own shit. And remember, you also have to have like self-awareness. So you gotta be willing to be told you're full of shit. And that's how you make it ahead. So, you know, I am a firm believer in what Kristen said. Like, you gotta believe in yourself. You gotta be authentic and you gotta take that risk. And you better be able to seek some feedback so that, you know, if we use the analogy we were talking about, if your band sucks, then like break up quick or get used to being a local band. And that's okay, it's all totally fine. But if you're going to chase the dream, make sure that you are getting the feedback and have the self-awareness. Uh, Kristen is someone that I, I've just, her story was so cool. And it's someone who, again, I've had the opportunity to know when we were younger and really like that person. And then as we're older, I'm just like, damn, who you've become is so cool and your success is uh, so inspirational. As we're closing off, I want to remind everyone that we're produced and edited by Spencer Priest, recorded by Patrick McKechnie, and our design is by Tammy Levy. Well, we will see you all next time on One Step Beyond. One step.